Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. Is there an invisible but active government going on behind the government we see? Thank you for joining me today for Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor, your host. And my guest today is Alex Newman. He's an award-winning journalist and author. And let's see what he has to say in his new book, The Deep State. Well, today here on Crosspoint, folks, we have a very interesting, and I think you're going to find out how interesting it is, uh, talking about the deep state. We've been hearing a lot about that, this invisible government behind the scenes that seems to be out there in our government. And today I'm talking with Alex Newman about this, and the title of the book is The Deep State. So, Alex, thanks for uh, putting this all together. I'm looking right in the first part of the book here, and it says, though this book contains new information not found in other books, that have exposed the deep state, uh, not necessarily using that name. It also incorporates key information originally appeared in earlier books, and the pioneering study in this regard is Dan Smoot's 1962 book, The Invisible Government, which I'm aware of as well. We've had that book here, too. So uh, this has been going for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, this whole idea of very powerful people scheming against uh, the rest of us, scheming against God, scheming against truth. Um, it, it's been going on really from time immemorial. I mean, you go back 3,000 years, you see in the Psalms, David is talking about the kings of the earth, uh, the rulers conspiring together against the Lord and his anointed. So this is nothing new. Uh, the, you know, the current manifestation of it has been around for, who knows, at least many generations. The, the Council on Foreign Relations began over a century ago. Uh, so these people have been working on this for a very long time. They're slow, they're methodical, they're strategic. They are very, very determined to reach their goals and their objectives, even though, of course, they recognize that it's not something that can happen overnight. So they've been patient, they've been uh, working quietly, and it's in, in recent years that they've started becoming a little bit more obvious, a little bit more bold, and kind of announcing what they're up to, telling us on national television from the White House that we're going to have a new world order where a credible United Nations will use this peacekeeping role to, to bring about the vision of the U.N. founders. So the, the real difference between today and, say, a few decades ago is that they're just a little bit more open about it now. In the introduction of the book, uh you talk about until several years ago, this subject of this book would have not been a common topic for discussion. But you say that all changed in 2016. So what happened in 2016 that seemed to set this change in order? Well, the election of Donald Trump. I mean, it was uh, it was an earth shattering event. Whether you agree with Donald Trump on every single policy issue or not, a few things became very clear. Um, He was very much opposed to the agenda of the deep state, if you will, the the globalism, the surrender of sovereignty, uh, the perpetual expansion of the welfare and warfare state. Um, And so Donald Trump came from a background that did not include this uh, constellation, if you will, of secretive and secret organizations that uh, really like to think, at least, that they're in charge and that they dominate policy. So when Donald Trump came along, in one way, uh, these evildoers really revealed themselves, right? I mean, in a very real sense, they were publicly talking about this. You had a guy from the Department of Homeland Security write in the pages of the New York Times that 
uh, yes, there is a deep state, and yes, we're we're helping you uh, by trying to stop Trump. Right? <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, you had uh, the former head of the CIA, John McLaughlin, on a panel discussion with other heads of the CIA. He was asked about the deep state trying to take out Donald Trump, and uh, he says, "Thank God for the deep state." Like this is the guy that the American people elected to be their president. What, do you, what, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> Take out the president from within the government that is supposed to be uh, kind of obeying him? That that really is quite the revelation. And a lot of people saw it, right? We had uh, almost 95% of the network coverage of his campaign was negative. This was unprecedented in American history. Um, out of the 100 top newspapers in America, only two endorsed Trump. The overwhelming majority endorsed uh, his opponent. And um, it became very clear, I think, to the American people that something fishy was going on. You had uh, the Obama regime spying on the presidential campaign using obviously phony pretexts like the Steele dossier. Um, their first scalp, if you will, was, of course, uh, General Michael Flynn. I think that's because General Flynn posed uh, probably the most significant threat, other than Trump himself, to their agenda, because he, he came out of the intelligence world. He used to be the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. And, of course, he was put into a very prominent position by Donald Trump as the head of the National Security Council. In my opinion, remarkable. We went from suddenly, uh, you know, from, from people not really having a true understanding of what was going on to suddenly mainstream America realizing that there was this uh, kind of shadowy behind-the-scenes campaign that uh, previously had largely been hidden, had been denied. To, at this point, they were bragging about it. And, um, you know, I, I saw the shift, especially among, like, grassroots Republican clubs. You know, I, I had been speaking for a long time at Republican clubs, and they were very averse to the idea that maybe there were evildoers at the highest levels of the Republican Party and that maybe there was a uni party and a swamp and things like this. But uh, with the election of Donald Trump, that became clear to everybody, and the polling data showed it, too. In fact, I talk about a poll in the book from the Monmouth University Polling Institute where they asked Americans what they thought about the deep state, um, and they defined it as a, a shadowy group of officials within military, government, et cetera, uh, scheming to control national policy, which is maybe an adequate definition. And uh, 75% said they believed we have a deep state, bipartisan. So, um, so that was really a turning point, I think, 2016 was, and I think we're still living with that reality today, that Americans largely realize now that we are being deceived, we are being manipulated, and there are evildoers formerly in the shadows who want to do us harm. Yeah, you talk about that in Chapter 1 of the book, uh, pulling the strings from behind the scenes, and that's the, you start out there talking with the study that you, you were talking about in 2018 that revealed what Americans, uh, 74% of the Americans believe. Back in the introduction of the book, just so people understand what a deep state is, you give that in a nutshell. You say that the deep state is the state within a state, and that uh, a shadow government that manipulates and shapes the politics of visible government without regard to the best interests of the country, the U.S. Constitution, the laws that enacted by Congress, or the public policy to the president who heads the executive branch. So... By saying this, this means this deep state's pretty powerful. The deep state is incredibly powerful. I mean, the, the power that it has is, uh, I think, really hard to fathom unless you've been studying this for a long time. But I think there are two common mistakes that people make with this question. Uh, the first one is to deny it altogether. 
uh, you know, they wouldn't do that, right? And we, we've all heard that. There's no conspiracy. I mean, yeah, local businessmen might collude with local politicians, but that wouldn't happen at the national or the international level, right? Really, would business people collude with government people? Uh, and so, you know, the, the first mistake is just rejecting the overwhelming evidence for the fact that there is this secretive cabal. And when I say overwhelming evidence, I mean, we've got smoking gun, concrete proof. We've got people like David Rockefeller admitting in his autobiography uh, that um, that he is part of, in his words, a secret cabal conspiring against the best interests of his own country with, with internationalists to build a one-world political and economic order. So the proof is there. But one, make, one mistake people make is to say, no, they're not really, or no, they're not really very powerful. The other mistake, and I think the other mistake is equally dangerous, is to attribute to this cabal almost godlike powers. You know, there are people who, who get it into their heads that this cabal, this deep state, is almost omniscient and omnipotent. You know, they, they can't be stopped. Everything is, is under their control. Uh, you know, if, if Trump got elected, that must mean that Trump is one of them. You know, if Javier Milei just got elected in Argentina, that must mean that he's part of the plot. Uh, and nothing can happen outside the will of these uh, insiders, conspirators, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and I think that's a dangerous mistake as well. Uh, you know, they are not God. We don't want to attribute to them God-like powers. Uh, they are human beings. Uh, yes, there may be supernatural evil at work here, but uh, you know we don't want to attribute um, uh, these divine powers to this group of evildoers. They are not omnipotent. They are not omniscient, and um, and we should definitely avoid falling into that trap. First of all, it leads to despair and hopelessness, and second of all, it's simply not true. These people do not control everything. They might like to think they might like to think that they do, and they certainly would like you to think that they do, but they do not. Now. I think it's chapter four of the book. Uh, you speak of this group. I've heard about this group, the Bilderberg meetings, the Bilderberg group. This is part of this, what you're talking about. This has been around for a while, and this has got a lot of big players in it. Yes, the Bilderberg group was founded back in 1954, so uh, almost 70 years ago now. Very, very influential group. They first met at the Bilderberg Hotel in the Netherlands, and um it's not a huge group. You've got a, a relatively small steering committee, uh, and then they typically bring together around 150 people every year for, for a secret meeting, either in Europe or uh, North America somewhere, Canada or the United States. And um, they've been working on this for a long time. And we know from statements that have been made by attendees and, and even steering board members that uh, they, they are working toward one world government. Uh, in fact, we had the former UK Chancellor of the Exchequer come out and, and say this blatantly. He was quoted in the UK Guardian saying that, um, you know, yeah, it's not wholly uh, inaccurate to say that we're working for a single world community, a single world government. Um, and then he tries to put a happy face on it. It's for your own good, though. You know, we just felt that like we couldn't go on killing each other forever, and so we just thought if we had a one-world system, then uh, people would stop killing each other and killing themselves. So they they kind of justify this to themselves by pretending like this is for our own good. We're just too stupid to manage our own lives and our own affairs. Uh, they can do a better job for us, and I think that's um, in many ways the way that they like to think of themselves. At least a lot of them. Uh, but so the Bilderberg Group, uh, you know, they, they bring together presidents, prime ministers, kings, uh, leaders of militaries, intelligence agencies, CEOs of the biggest companies that you can think of, uh, primarily Western, right, yeah, North America and uh, Western Europe. And uh, I think one of the big functions that they have is trying to vet 
potential future leaders. So they, there's been numerous examples where they take these relatively obscure, almost sometimes unknown figures, and then uh, they go to Bilderberg, and then there's political careers or their business careers are turbocharged. Uh, Bill Clinton is an obvious example, right? A, kind of a no-name governor from Arkansas that nobody had really thought much about at the national level. Suddenly he goes to Bilderberg, and then the next year he's elected president of the United States. Um, you have people like uh, Prime Minister Tony Blair of the United Kingdom, a relatively insignificant member of the British Parliament, uh, goes to Bilderberg, and then suddenly the next year he becomes the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Uh, you have uh, every single president of what's called the European Commission, which is like the executive and legislative branch of the European Union, has attended Bilderberg prior to becoming president of the European Commission. So um, they seem to, I, I, maybe like job interview is a good way to think of it, right? You get this very powerful collection of business and political titans. They even have a lot of media there, although it's off record. Nothing gets published in the press about it. Um, and they, they must talk to these guys, ask them questions. So what do you think about the U.N.? What do you think about foreign policy? What do you think about China? And if they answer right, then um, their careers get a very significant boost. You'd almost think that at some point Donald Trump was offered this position and he refused it. <laughs> this may be well to upset him too, you know, because I'm sure they go for the money people that's involved out there. But you, oh, they do. Yeah, the chapter seven of the books is a real get you in, get right in your face because it's what's happening. You entitle it "Globalists Using Mass Migration to Dechristianize the West." You say the deep state globalists and Western governments and organizations, such as the United Nations, are using immigration to upend Christian culture and the idea of nationhood. Well, that's pretty obvious of what we're seeing here in America. Yeah, it is. And, and it should have been obvious for a long time. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people in Europe didn't really understand. I was actually in Europe during the, the mass migration crisis, living there uh, in Sweden, which is kind of the, the, the center. Sweden and Germany were the worst affected. And um, it became very obvious to me what was happening there. They, they, you had the, the lesbian bishop of the Lutheran Church of Sweden saying we need to take the crosses down from all the churches so we don't offend all these new Muslims and things like this. I mean, just things that are just totally, totally outrageous. Um, you had the head of the U.N. migration program, uh, Peter Sutherland, a uh, former bigwig at Goldman Sachs, saying publicly on the U.N. website that uh, this migration is good. It's going to uh, force us to, to get rid of these old shibboleths, these old historic memories of our country. He says, uh, you know, this, this shows that the time for hiding behind national borders is over. We have to recognize that we're just one human family, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they, they've had this idea for a very long time. They are fundamentally transforming these societies. Uh, more and more cities now, you have the native population uh, all across Europe, Western Europe. Uh, the native population is now in the absolute minority. Uh, in Frankfurt, Germans are a minority. In London, British people are a minority. In uh, Malmo in Sweden, Swedes are a minority. In Brussels, Belgium, uh, Belgians are a very small minority now in their own capital city. Um, and, and this is happening in more and more cities. Uh, just in, yesterday I read that uh, Irish people were now a minority in Dublin. So this is really happening very, very quickly. Uh, you have now, for example, just think of the United Kingdom. You've got a Muslim mayor over London, and you've got a pagan prime minister over the whole United Kingdom, Rishi Sunak. Um, this is a country that has been officially Christian. They have an established Christian church. They've been officially Christian for over a thousand years. And now within a period of just a generation or two with this mass migration, you've now got a pagan prime minister of Indian descent and a, a Muslim mayor of the capital city uh, of Middle Eastern descent. So these changes are happening very rapidly. They are happening here in the United States as well. It's just taking a little bit longer. 
But uh, we need to be prepared and we need to be resisting this if we value our culture, our civilization, our traditions, our sovereignty, our ability to govern ourselves, our cultural and uh, uh, cohesiveness, our communities. Uh, this is very dangerous, what's happening. And these are the kinds of things that are really irreversible, right? Once this process happens, you can't just, like, deport everybody, right? It becomes uh, impossible. These changes then become irreversible. And, uh, you know, I don't know what people are going to say to their children and their grandchildren. You know, what happened? How, how did we lose our country? Well, it's happening right now. So, yeah. Well, folks, uh, very interesting conversation. Stay with us. We're going to have more right after this. Do you have five minutes for God? I'm Pastor Ed Wilson, and I believe there's no better way to begin each morning than spending a little time with Him. That's why every weekday morning I bring you a short devotional broadcast designed just for that. Look up God's Five Minutes wherever you get your podcast to kickstart your spiritual walk for each day. We'll always do it in five minutes or less. Have you talked to God today? This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back. You're listening to Crosspoint and talking today with Alex Newman, we're talking about there's an invisible government behind the scenes, a deep state. Now, Alex, this book is uh, uh, that I hold in my hand right now. Uh, it's a book, but I'm sure there's other books out there, maybe other stuff you've done. But if somebody would want to know more about this book, uh, how to uh, get it or whatever, how would they go about doing that? Uh, the best place is my website, libertysentinel.org forward slash shop. Uh, that's Liberty like Liberty, L-I-B-E-R-T-Y, Sentinel is S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L dot org forward slash shop, S-H-O-P, from the publisher, uh, Western Islands Press. You can get that at shoptna.org if you prefer. All right. Now, looking back here, you had mentioned here on page seven of the book, I was going to bring this up, that how deep this deep state is, uh, even in the people that work in our government that you said in 2016 election, 95% of the money donated by federal employees went to one campaign, and it sure wasn't Donald Trump. That's right. And, you know, that's what people need to understand about the federal bureaucracy. Um, you know, the federal bureaucracy is not representative of the American population. You, you hear endless whining about diversity, 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 right? And we've all heard it. we got to have more diversity. Uh, but there is no diversity in the federal workforce. It's a bunch of radical left-wing Democrats up and down every single agency. Uh, you look at the DOJ, the Department of State, um, the, you know, all of these agencies, the FBI, right? All of these federal um, uh, tentacles of this giant beast are dominated by left-wing extremists who hate America, who hate our Constitution. Yeah, technically they, they swear an oath to uphold it. But um, look at their donations, right? Uh, if this were, if, if the federal workforce were representative of the diversity of America, we'd have at least 50% of the employees would be Republicans, would be Trump supporters, right? Instead, we've got 99.9% in some of these agencies donating to Hillary Clinton. Um, it, it's ridiculous. 
uh, it needs to stop. And, you know, people wonder, why is the DOJ now weaponized against conservatives? Why is the IRS being used to terrorize conservatives? Uh, it's because it's completely dominated by left-wing extremists who hate America, hate American Christians, hate American conservatives with a, a kind of blind rage. And, uh, and we have got to deal with this. We cannot have three million parasites mooching off the American people being used to terrorize uh, half of the population because they disagree with our political views. They disagree with our uh, goal of saving our country and passing it on uh, in better shape to the next generation. That is unacceptable. And yet that is the reality that we live under today. So you also talk about and you believe that the intelligence community, uh, the bureaucratic machine, both are outside of the really the constitutional structures that we have. They're just not even operating within the constitutional structures of our government. No. And they don't even pretend to be anymore. Uh, I mean, it, you know, talking about this control of these federal agencies by left-wing extremists, the CIA is the worst of the worst, right? Uh, you forget all the silly Holly Weirdo movies you've seen about, you know, these uh, well-coiffed uh, CIA agents who look very conservative, doing heroic things to save our country. Forget all that. That's Holly Weird propaganda. A lot of it literally bought and paid for by the CIA, right? I mean, it is not reflective of reality. The CIA is and has been for generations dominated by actual communists. Uh, and we put a lot of evidence on this in the book. And this includes all the way up to the top, right? John Brennan, um, Obama's CIA director, admitted publicly that he was voting for the Communist Party candidate while he was working for the CIA. Back in 1978, he voted for Gus Hall. He admitted this publicly. The next guy that, he, that Obama had there, also Leon Panetta, uh, another guy who's been openly affiliated with Marxist groups, Soviet front groups like the Institute for Policy Studies, uh, voted to give the Panama Canal to a communist dictator, voted to give the Soviet Union most favored uh, nation for uh, status for trade. So you've got these people at the highest levels of the intelligence community literally waging war on our country. Uh, and this goes back so far. This goes back to before the CIA even existed. It goes back to the Office of Strategic Services. Uh, it's not to say that there's never been a decent person working for these agencies. There are some. I know some. But uh, when you look at the overall system, you know, one of the really big revelations that came out about the OSS, you had Dick Novak, a columnist, uh, wrote in the Washington Compost, that, or the Washington Post, I think normal people call it, uh, that uh, the OSS had been infiltrated by communists during World War II. And uh, Charles Pink, the head of the OSS Society, like the OSS veterans, came out and wrote a letter to the editor said, no, 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 we were not infiltrated by communists during the war. We were hiring them, right? Um, so this has been a problem going back to the very beginning. Uh, we've got smoking gun evidence. Uh, the NSA decrypted uh, the Nona documents, showed hundreds of communists and Soviet agents up and down our government. Um, extremely, extremely dangerous. And, um, you know, I don't know that our country can survive more of this. Um, you, you've got people like Chuck Schumer, uh, the Senate Majority Leader currently, saying publicly when Trump confronted the CIA. He goes on uh, that guy Rachel Maddow show on the crazy left-wing uh, MSLSD network and says, um, you know, the, it, you, you shouldn't cross the intelligence agencies. They have six ways from Sunday to get back at you. What, what is that supposed to mean, right? And so does everybody in Washington know that you don't cross the intelligence agencies, right? I thought they're supposed to be serving at the pleasure of we the people. What happened to the consent of the governed when we elect somebody who decides to try to rein in these abuses, to have them then using this cloak and dagger stuff against the president of the United States, 
it is so far beyond what's acceptable that it's hard to believe we're even having this conversation, and yet that's the reality. Yeah, and you back in talking about the globalists using mass migration to de-Christianize the West, in there you say Christ is quickly being banned and generally under the disguise of diversity and not offending. And this makes me wonder, you know, we've kind of seen a pattern of this in the in the past, and we're seeing this again where a time when the Jews were being uh, persecuted across the, especially Europe and other places, and and then after that it was the Christians, and we almost are seeing this now coming again. You know what goes around comes around type of a deal, and you talk about that here in this book. Yeah, if we don't get this under control, you can uh, take it to the bank. We are going to see much more serious persecution of Christians and Jews, um, especially conservative Jews across the Western world. Uh, we're already starting to see it. We're already seeing Christian pastors thrown in jail in Europe for uh, just for quoting the Bible. I mean, they're sending secret agents into government churches to record their sermons to make sure they don't say anything uh, that might offend a homosexual or a transgender or a, or a Muslim or something like this. Um, you know, this is uh, absolutely outrageous. We're seeing it here in the United States. Well, we're, Canada. We're right. look, look at Canada to the north of us. My goodness. Yep. Pastors being thrown in jail for not shutting down their churches when some politician barks an order at them. Um, you know, th- this is very, very dangerous, folks. And, and as the older generations die off and these younger, highly indoctrinated, revolutionary younger generations take the reins, uh, th- this is going to accelerate. This is going to snowball in a way that I think most people are not expecting right now. Um, and, and it's going to end very, very badly. Um, e- even the people who are working toward this, the revolutionaries, the the useful idiots, are going to be amazed at what happens as the rule of law finishes breaking down and uh, lawlessness is unleashed. Uh, in many cases, the useful idiots are the first ones to be put up against the wall and shot by the leaders behind the scenes. And this is not going to end well for anyone, including the politicians who are helping it along. Uh, this will end uh, very much like it's ended everywhere else if we don't stop it, if we don't get it under control. Chapter 9 of the book, uh, you talk about the UN's environmental schemes advance world government. And there in there on page 93, you're talking about Agenda 21, and then you talk about before Agenda 2030. So we got a couple of agendas here to talk about. What are these and how dangerous are they? Well, uh, Agenda 21 is the UN agenda for the 21st century. Uh, it's a comprehensive plan that covers pretty much every area of life, um, you know, the environment, business, uh, everything you can think of is uh, is covered in there. And um, it uh, it is a plan to totally restructure human civilization. In fact, in the summary of this thing that the UN provided, um, they actually say that uh, this is a, a plan that uh, requires a fundamental reorganization of all human society, unlike anything that has ever before been experienced. So uh, we are dealing with uh, some very, very dangerous stuff here. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a giant threat to everything that we hold dear, and um, you know, we've got to be careful. There's money men. I guess many women, too, maybe, that's involved in this. You do talk about that. This makes makes this kind of stuff possible. But this is all basically an, an agenda for money and control, correct? Well, I believe it is about money and control, but I believe there's um, there's more to it than that. right? I, I think really when you really distill this down to its essence, what we're dealing with here is actually evil. Um, you know, the Bible talks a lot about the nature of reality, 
and uh, and what we're confronted with here. So I, I believe it's, it's even beyond money and power. Yeah, a lot of the people working uh, toward these things, they're interested in money and power. But I think at its core, this is really a diabolical movement. This is a war on God and truth and morality and civilization and marriage and family and everything that God has ordained for our good. Um, and so, you know, I, I really believe that this is this is from the pit of hell. So, in other words, there's an old saying out there that when you see things happening like this, you can bet that the devil's in the dirty work. And also, and also, with that being included, so basically some of these people are being controlled then, and some of these situations are being controlled by demonic forces. Is that Would you say that? Uh, that's what the Bible teaches, and that's what I believe. You know, the Apostle Paul in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about uh, these powers and principalities, right? He says, ultimately, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, uh, you know, human beings, George Soros, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, uh, the Rockefellers, etc. What we're dealing with is powers and principalities. He talks about the, the spiritual darkness, spiritual forces of darkness and, and the wickedness in high places. And, um, and I think ultimately that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, yes, there are a lot of human beings involved in this, but ultimately I think you have to look up another level to truly understand what's going on. Now, you, chapter 11, you talk about China, and we hear a lot about China. You say it's a tool and a creation of the deep state. I can see it being a tool, but you believe it's a creation of the deep state as well? Yeah, if you go back in time and look at what happened uh, in the run-up to the takeover of China by, by uh, Chairman Mao, this was orchestrated by the deep state in the United States. Uh, and, and I get into this in quite some depth in the chapter. In fact, there's a whole book about this, how it happened. It's called Again, May God Forgive Us by Robert Welch. It's very, very good and very powerful uh, and heartbreaking, because what you realize is that some of the top levels of the U.S. government, our State Department, our, our Defense Department, betrayed our ally, Chiang Kai-shek. They actually put an arms embargo on him, if you can imagine that. This is a man who lost huge numbers of men fighting side-by-side with Americans against the Japanese. In fact, my granddaddy was over there fighting with them uh, against the Japanese in World War II. Uh, This is a man who was a Christian who wanted to make China into a free nation with firm property rights and biblical principles. Um, And uh, what happened? Well, the U.S. government through people like George uh, Marshall, uh, head of the State Department and also at one time head of the the, uh, Department of War, uh, put an arms embargo on him, all but ensuring that the communists would take over uh, China. Uh, And and worse than that, uh, you know, what they did in Japan, you you could not have engineered a better system, a better process for bringing the communists to power. Uh, They begged Stalin to get involved in the war. Stalin literally, literally declared war on Japan after we had dropped a nuclear bomb on them, right? Um, we did not need Soviet assistance to defeat Japan. Japan was already defeated. They were begging to surrender. Um, and then, because Stalin was one of the victors, he got to march right into Manchuria and capture all the Japanese stockpiles and weaponry, et cetera. And what did he do with that? Well, he handed it over to his communist buddies, Chairman Mao, et cetera, so that they could go on and rape and pillage and enslave the people of China. There was no reason whatsoever for uh, for allowing Stalin to to join the war as it was coming to its conclusion, uh, unless you wanted China to become communist, and and you know those are just a couple of the examples of the ways in which the deep state brought Chairman Mao to power. Of course, the New York Times and the other fake media were calling Chairman Mao he's just an agrarian reformer, and they were portraying uh, Chiang Kai-shek as uh, pretty much how they portray Donald Trump, a fascist, you know, whatever. Um, and so that's what they do. They did the same thing in Cuba. They, they've done the same thing over and over and over again. 
And, uh, you know, as an American, it's, it's heartbreaking to know that the highest levels of our government have been involved in this horrific betrayal of our allies and in the enslavement and murder of so many innocent people. Well, folks, um, a lot of great stuff here going on, so you want to stay with us. And we'll be back right after this. Offering words to encourage, teaching to inspire, and truth that defines real life. This is who we are, what we offer, and what you can expect. 91.7 The Word. This is Mark Taylor, and you're listening to Crosspoint. Very interesting discussion we're having today, talking about the deep state, the invisible government behind the scenes by Alex Newman. And Alex, tell people how they can find out more about this book. Uh, Best way is at my website, libertysentinel.org. Liberty is L-I-B-E-R-T-Y. Sentinel is S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L. And then it's got to be .org, .org. And you can go to the shop there. You can get a copy of the book. Uh, I've also given speeches around the country on this subject, uh, on the deep state. Uh, YouTube, of course, has deleted them all. Uh, you know, once they get to a few hundred thousand views or a million views, YouTube knocks them down. But um, a lot of the quotes that I use in the book, I, I've actually got the videos of these you know, presidents, kings, prime ministers, CEOs saying the things that I say they're saying. And so uh, people can find that as well. They can usually go through my website or uh, they can go to Rumble and see some of that. Yeah, good. Good. Now, in the book, I'm looking back, uh, riots are a tool for the deep state. <laughs> Interesting here to talk about this as well. Page 142, you're talking about the Green New Deal, and you say the naive young protesters who've been indoctrinated in the government schools of hate America. You talk about the Sunrise Organization, I guess, that, that's out there. But you also talk about witches, Satanists who openly are involved in these demonstrations, even publicly casting spells and hexes on police, using uh, different hashtags. Uh, these are the practicers of the occult, and they gather over a million viewers on TikTok. The hatred for America has been filled with this display. Even when a street pre- preacher entered an Antifa-controlled autonomous zone, uh, they was violently attacked by a mob. And you just talk the the young people have been the ones that I guess are being tricked, indoctrinated, and being used to try to make this turn of America. Yeah, that's right. And this is a process that again has been taking place for at least several generations. Um, I believe it's one of the most important subjects that we could be dealing with, and that is the indoctrination, the dumbing down, the weaponization, and the sexualization of our children, the next generation. And so actually my next book is going to be coming out uh, about the public school system, the history of the public school system. Um, a lot of people think that they have, there's this mythology out there that there was a golden era of public education. And uh, quite unfortunately, the Marxists, the totalitarians, somehow uh, seized control of this machinery and then used it against us. Uh, in fact, if you go back to the entire history of the public school system, uh, it was always designed to do what it's doing. It just took uh, quite a while to, to break down the restraints that our society had uh, just naturally imposed on it. We were such a Christian people, such a moral people. It took a very long time before they could get that. So um, I, I have a whole chapter in the book on the deep state about this. And, and I truly believe that our best defense against this evil agenda uh, begins in the home, begins with protecting our children from this indoctrination. So I think parents need to now consider other options for the education of their children, whether that be homeschooling or 
uh, a good Christian school, a co-op, something like that. Uh, We have got to rescue our children from this indoctrination. Uh, They are being dumbed down at a level that I don't think anybody can understand. Uh, I mean, the government's own tests show that less than a third of them are even proficient at reading or writing or arithmetic and basic math. It's stunning. Um, you, you look at the polling data now, my generation, millennials, uh, a majority say they're, a strong majority, 70% say they're socialists, um, a minority say they're Christian, uh, and this is all a direct result of the indoctrination and the dumbing down that has taken place through the public school system. And, you know, that's chapter 14 where you talk about the deep state secret weapon in public education. The chapter before that, 13, rights are a tool of the deep state. Well, We've seen riots many years ago, but we've not seen riots to the extent they have been, uh, especially when Donald Trump was elected president. And uh, let's say that scenario would happen again in 2024 and he would be reelected. What could we expect from these uh, deep state in that in that area? Well, if Donald Trump is reelected in 2024, you can be guaranteed that that will happen again. There is no doubt about it. Um, in fact, uh, in the run-up to the 2020 election, uh, George Soros, uh, John Podesta, the weirdo with the spirit cooking, right, uh, the, the, the uh, former uh, chief of uh, Barack Obama's campaign, top advisor Hillary Clinton, etc., um, they came up with what they called the Transition Integrity Project, and they laid out four scenarios for the 2020 election. And in a couple of the scenarios where Trump won, they deployed their terrorist stormtroopers to start burning down our cities and rioting and marauding and demanding, um, you know, all sorts of changes. So that in every one of the scenarios, they managed to stop Donald Trump. Uh, we will absolutely see that again. Uh, these are highly coordinated, highly planned, and very well-funded um, operations, right? They, they want us to believe that these are just spontaneous outbursts of rage against Donald Trump. Total silliness. Uh, these are highly coordinated. There's huge money behind these things. There are stand-down orders coming from Democrat mayors and, and other high-level political operatives being given to local police departments to allow these things to, to proceed. And so um, if Donald Trump is elected again in 2024, you can take it to the bank. We will see all that and much more. And uh, then it's going to be up to local and state law enforcement to keep this stuff under control. Now, Chapter 15, you do give us some hope. You talk about what can be done. You say the deep state juggernaut may be a formidable force, but it's not unstoppable. And you say that it, it in that uh, page there, 161, that this is war. But you say the first and most important thing to understand about war is that it goes way beyond politics, economics, religion, or ideology. It is not merely a battle against bad ideas or bad people. It's a battle against evil. You talk about that letter you were talking about in Ephesians when Paul described the nature of the battle, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and other rulers of darkness of the world against spiritual weakness in high places. And he wrote, after urging his faithful, put on the whole armor of God. So... Do enough people know this? That then would be my question. Are there enough Christians out there that understand what really needs to be done? Well, that's a good question. And um, I think our numbers are much greater than the fake media would have us believe. Um, But ultimately, I I don't even know that we really need huge numbers. Uh, We need God and the truth, and uh, and that will see us through. Uh, the Bible's filled with examples of this. You know, the story of Gideon has always been really inspiring to me. God chooses a little nobody uh, named Gideon from a nobody family to lead his forces uh, in the war, 
And uh, they whittle down the army to 300 men, right? First, God sends home all the cowards, and then he sends home the people who drink the wrong way. And, uh, and then he's left with 300 men. So God doesn't need 51% of Americans to come to their senses to stop this evil. He can use a very small number of people. But I do believe that Americans are much more awake than the fake media would have us believe. And uh, just if you look at the polling data, that becomes very clear. And, and even more importantly than that, just talking to people. Right, once you're outside of New York and Los Angeles and Washington, D.C. and Portland and Seattle, um, you know, just go talk to regular people. Talk to cab drivers. Talk to plumbers. Talk to waitresses. Um, you know, people really do get it. They may not understand all the intricacies and things that we, we talk about in the book, but they know they're being lied to. They, they know that the political class is absolutely waging war on everything we hold dear. Uh, they know that we have a uni party, um, and, and they know that this needs to stop. Uh, they know that their children are being harmed in the public school system. They know that uh, our, our traditions, our country, our liberties are, are being uh, gradually and now increasingly rapidly stolen from us. And so I, I find that very encouraging. Uh, you look at the polls on the media. Nobody trusts the media anymore. Right? I, I think they're slightly less popular than headlights. I mean, nobody trusts the CNNs and then these things of the world anymore, except just this tiny, tiny little fringe that just cling to it desperately because they don't want to admit that they've been lied to um, and that they fell for the lies. So, um, so I'm, I'm encouraged by a lot of what's happening. Now, does that mean that uh, you know we can just sit back and do nothing? No, of course not. We've got a lot of work to do. Uh, these forces that we're up against are very, very powerful. They've accumulated an enormous amount of financial resources and political resources, diplomatic resources, military resources. But uh, ultimately, I believe in the sovereignty of God, uh, and I believe in the common sense of the American people. So uh, I am hopeful that uh, we can stop this juggernaut. But uh, it will take effort. You know, we, we've got to get involved. We've got to stop uh, expecting that somebody else is going to do this for us. As our founding father said, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. And I like how you kind of wrap that up there in the part where what can be done. You talk about, you know, after reading the book, we can realize that it's diabolical at the core and evil of what's going on in our nation. Uh, but then you always you go on to say that God is far more powerful than the evil con- confronting America today, which I think is a good thing for us to remember. And uh, you say there is hope for America, but it must begin with God's people getting on their knees and praying and then standing up against the evil that's infested the land. And the evil must be exposed, reproved, and defeated. Now, that is done sometimes, and yet... Uh, some people still don't seem to have a problem with evil, so it tells me that the citizenry has got some issues of their own. But we're also uh, facing, you know, election integrity and stuff like that, the cheating and the different things like that. So the only thing that can really overcome this problem with the book you've written, The Deep State, This Invisible Government, is Christians basically are, are the last defense to stop in this. No question about it. There's no question about it. And, and when you boil this down, it, it really is um, a manifestation of what the Bible describes throughout, from Genesis to Revelation. It's a battle between good and evil. It's a battle between God and God's people and the forces of evil. And, um, you know, we're, we're not going to save our country by turning to Allah or the Hindu gods or, you know, any sort of pagan religion. We need to trust in the real God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And um, and we need to rely on his truth. We need to rely on his word. And we need to rely on the institutions and the moral code that he has given us. You know, just go back to 
simple, basic morality. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Uh, you know, the, the basic, basic things that uh, really are at the foundation of any free and civilized society. And if you look around throughout the world, throughout all of human history, there's never been a, a non-godly society that was also civilized and free. Um, it, it was as the Bible and the gospel spread that freedom, individual liberty, political liberty, economic liberty, and civilization spread with it as, as people settled down and formed strong families, as people rejected um, you know, the pagan deities that they had been worshipped. And this was true all throughout Europe. It's been true everywhere. Uh, so if we want to restore what we had in America, a free, prosperous, peaceful society, there's only one way to do it, and that is by going back to what made us free and prosperous and peaceful in the first place, and that is the truth that God has revealed to us in His Word. So you're basically saying then what can save America is these what we had in the past, the Great Awakenings, the revival that exactly. America's churches come to life and... and uh, change uh, spiritually uh, the outlook of our of our nation exactly and and i don't believe there's anything else uh, if yeah. we don't get another great awakening if the churches don't wake up if the churches don't get involved if families don't start trying to make god the lord of their homes and the lord of their decisions and and their educational choices um, you know, there, there's no other way to save this country. Um, you know, I, I like libertarians. They're nice people. But the idea that we're going to restore liberty in this country just by uh, clinging to things like um, you know, the non-aggression principle, right? Uh, it, it's just it's silliness. It's not going to happen unless we have a transcendent purpose and uh, eternal truths in our arsenal. That's the only thing that can turn this around. Um, and, you know, I've, I've come to that conclusion after 15 years of studying this. There, there is no shortcut. There is no other way. And so, what you know, we need to be in prayer. We need to be asking God for His assistance. And we need to be making God the Lord of every area of our lives, not just Sunday morning. Well, I'm looking forward to the next book you've got coming out. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get together and talk about that as well. But this book here, The Deep State, The Invisible Government Behind the Scenes, Alex, uh, Tell us again, tell the people how they can find out more about your book and maybe even, you know, if you communicate with people or whatever is sent out there on Facebook or anything else, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, well, thank you again. I really appreciate it, Mark. And so uh, people can get the book at my website, libertysentinel.org forward slash shop. Uh, but if people want a signed copy, best way is to just get it through my website. Uh, it can also be purchased from the publisher, uh, Western Islands. And uh, people can get in touch with me through uh, Twitter or X, as it's called now. My, my name is Alex Newman underscore J-O-U, stands for journalism. Uh, I'm on Facebook, too. I have a public profile called uh, Alex Newman. And um, uh, you can also contact me through my website. We've got a contact form on there, libertysentinel.org. And I serve as senior editor of The New American Magazine. I encourage people to check that out. It's at thenewamerican.com. In fact, a lot of what is in the book came from my research and my articles that were in The New American. Uh, it is the best magazine out there that I know of on the face of the planet. So I encourage people to check it out. All right. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for being with us and taking the time to be on Crosspoint today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mark. Folks, a really good eye-opening interview that we had today here on Crosspoint. Alex did bring out a lot of stuff. Very interesting book there, The Deep State. 
And you heard Alex, he referred many times to God's Word and the power of God's Word. And what really needs to happen is going to be the overriding of God's Word on society. The very book I hold in my other hand here, as uh, we do cross-point the Bible, and it contains the most powerful words you're going to need and get over what we were just talking about today. This Bible is the inspired words of God, so it's super beyond that powerful. The words are never outdated. This book accurately directs what life's supposed to be about. The Bible contains the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly ever follow. Be sure and join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week and allow God to use your purposes so that you can do greater things. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, the Osho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime online at kneo.org. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083. Never miss your favorite show again. For more than 30 years, KNEO has been bringing you great Bible teachers on a local and national level. And now, we've made it easier than ever to hear from these great men and women of God. KNEO's entire lineup is now available to listen anytime, anywhere through our website. Go to KNEO.org slash podcast to see all the options. You can search for programs alphabetically, or you can select individual categories like culture, kids, leadership, or music. We even have a category just for locally produced programs, so you can hear from pastors and spiritual leaders located right here in the four-state area. And... All these resources are absolutely free. KNEO's mission is to get God's Word in front of you, and this is one of the ways we do it. Give it a try today. Go to KNEO.org and click on the podcast tab to get started.